was number 55. Today's 56. We'll do a review of yesterday's Tavket to today's. We're learning for, have in mind, a Rufua Shalema. Should be a schus of Rufua Shalema for Hadassah Basranya, Moshe ben Chefza, Michal Aviva Bas Yehudis, Amy Basvara, all also meet. And uh, with that, let's get right to the review. So it's starting at the Mishnah on the top of the page, talking about the definition. That's what a lot of the, this Masechet is about, the definition in how people speak, okay? Um, how, what do people mean when they say things, okay? Uh, because that's where it goes. It goes by Lashon B'nei Adam. And therefore, location makes a difference as well. That's what we've seen. So, definition of Dagon, when a person makes a vow not to have Dagon. So, according to Rameyer, that can encompass anything that is really stored in large amounts. And therefore, a Egyptian, the dried Egyptian bean variety, which they used to, I guess, grind down, make it into some type of bread product, is included. No, when you say Dagon, it only means five things. Okay, it means the five species of grain that are that you make a mizonos on if it's cake or cookies, or you make a hamotzi if it's bread, and those are wheat, rye, oats, barley, and spelt. Okay, um, Remeyer will will admit though that if he says uh, tavua, that clearly does mean only the five species, not anything else. But dagon is broader. Okay. Uh, and uh, the, what, what Duggan does not include, even according to Rebeyer, is fruit of the tree or fruit of the, or vegetables. Okay, so the question is, is uh, basically Rebeyer's understanding is that Duggan is a very broad term. Anything that is, like I said, stored, midgan, um, piled up in large amounts. So uh, according to Sorov Yosef, there's a question on that. Pasuk in Divrei Yomim says that... Uh, Basically, uh, Bnei Yisrael um, brought uh, their tithing to the base of Migdash in the time of Chizkiah. And the Pasuk says, Reish is Dagon Tirosh V'Yitzar. Then it says, V'chol Tuas Asada L'Rov. Obviously, Tuas Asada. So Dagon, uh, if it means called the Midgan, so then what, is the, what are we adding on in addition to that? So Abayi says it's coming to, the Tuas Asada L'Rov is coming to include Paris, Elon, and Yerek. So the Gemara says that uh, the Gemara's next line is that Rameyer says that Tua definitely does mean only the five grains. So Rabbi Yechanan says, and that everybody agrees to, that it's only the five grains. And that's what the Brisa says, that Nodar Minat Tua is definitely only the five grains. Question is, isn't that obvious? So the Gemara says, no, maybe Tua is, is a very broad term, and it can mean all things, all growing things. Um, so the question Rav Yosef says, you know, maybe it does mean all grown things. As the Pasuk over there that we quoted earlier, it says, uh, uh, So Rav Yosef uh, said, there's a difference between Tavua, I'm sorry, Rava answered, Tavua is different and Tavua is different. In other words, Tavua alone is definitely only the five species. When you say, that's a broader term and that encompasses all things that grow. So I have here a story with the son of Marshmuel, who was giving his last will, and he wanted that 13,000 zuz worth should be given to Rava 
um, from the pra, pra, uh, I guess from the increases of the river Panya. Okay, the alalta means the what grows. Okay, um, so the income basically. Um, so Rava <coughs> sent to Rav Yosef. What does alalta really mean? What's included in the word alalta? So Yosef says, the Mishnah says that Tuwa definitely means only five species of grain, so only from the uh, income from the grains, from five species. So Bayi said, that's not true, Tuwa definitely only means the five species, but Alalta is a broad term, even though the, we use the word Alalta to, for the Targum of Tuwa, but it doesn't really mean only Tuwa. So the Gemara says, they came back to Rava and gave him that answer. He says, well, I wasn't even asking that. Of course, I knew Alalta means everything. Um, what, we were, what I was wanted to know is, can I include income from the housing or in the income from the ships? Um, and what's the two sides? Because on the one hand, the income is not all profit per se, because... Uh, there's a loss of value of as because those things go down in value as time goes on. It, there's wear and tear. There's the, you know it's not like uh, the land produces. It's all profit. Whatever it produces, it's all income. Um, so or on the other hand, since you don't really see that loss in the sense, it's like kind of like a paper loss. Maybe it's still considered alalta. That was the question. And uh, so when that came back to Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef says, you know, he didn't even need us. Why was he asking us the question? He was so much smarter than us. That uh, kind of, Rav Yosef was a little bit upset. Meantime, Rav heard that Rav, that Rav Yosef was upset, so he went on Teman Erev Yom Kippur, and he found his servant serving him his wine and mixing, about to mix the wine. He said, you know what, let me do it for, you, for, for Rav Yosef. And he mixed the wine. And as he was drinking, he said, wow, this wine tastes like it was mixed by Rava. And they said, yeah, that's it's exactly right. So he's like, okay, then explain to me this Pasuk. I called him in, and that's the Pasuk, it's a part of Shira, the, the Shira Sabe'er in Parsha Shukat. And uh, the question is, um, what is it listing these places? So he says, I understand what it means. Um, that if a person it starts off in a midbar, meaning his Torah is treated like a midbar that's open to all, there's no borders, no boundaries, everyone's allowed in, everyone, you're, you're free with your Torah, that you're sharing it to whoever. Whoever wants to learn, you can share with him. Um, then the Torah is in turn given to him as a gift. And that's midbar. From midbar comes matana. And once it's nitano matana, so nachlo kel, then his inheritance is with God, as the puzzle says, mi matana nachliel. And kivin, and once it's that, that he has a, the inheritance of God, he is elevated to a higher position, as the puzzle says, mi nachliel bamos. But if at that point he gets, on, and once he hits the high position, he starts uh, becoming haughty. So then, Akash, then God will lower him down because that's what it says afterwards. Mi bamos guy. And not only that, he gets stuck onto the ground. The Pesach says, Vinishkafa, like a mashkof, like the lintel that you step on when you walk into the house. So he's stuck into the ground. However, but if he repents, Hashem will lift him back up again. As the Pesach says, Kol Gei Nase. It's not a Pesach over here, but it's, it's still 
but it's a it's a pasuk in Navi, but it it's still um, relevant because it's for everybody who's uh, on on uh, down in the dumps. He can be uh, elevated. Um, so. So basically, and that was of course the message that Rav Yosef wanted uh, Rava to remember, not to become too haughty. We brought down a b'raisa, somebody says a, a neder from Dagon, so it's aser, the dried polamitzri, but not the fresh one that's permitted. Uh, rice, uh, 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 cracked wheat, either in half, in thirds, or in quarters, are all Excluded from Dagon. Okay, if uh, um, uh, if, it's, if a person makes a vow from Peros Hashana, so then that would inclu- include all Peros Hashana, uh, all fruit of the year, but it would include um, animals, so therefore goats and sheep and milk and eggs and birds are all allowed. But if it says Gidule Shana, that would include even all that. Um, um, if a person vows himself not to have Paris Aratz, that's include all Paris Aratz, but he would be allowed to have um, uh, mushrooms and the like. If he says Gidule Karka, so then that would be even even the mushrooms. The problem with that is, is that when it comes to brachos, we said if it's not Gidulim and Aritz, the brach is Shakol Niyabitvaro. And uh, we said what that includes is salt, or salt water, and uh, mushrooms. It's all Shakol. So um, it, so what's the story? Is it Gidulim and Aritz or not Gidulim and Aritz? So uh, we're defining mushrooms as not Gidulim and Aritz. A minute before you said that it is Gidulim and Aritz. So Abayah says it's actually they increase from the ground, meaning they're promulgated on, on the ground, but they're drawing their, their sustenance only from the air. So therefore, that's why they're not considered a bore pri ha'adama. That's why the bracha is a shahakal. Okay. Um, and, that's the, and that's the story with that. Okay, so that brought us to the next uh, Mishnah, which was talking about Clothing and it says if you say garment, um, any ksus obviously the, it means things that are typically worn, uh, sackcloth, uh, sheets, um, uh, various types of sheets, all are not included in that. Um, however, if he says wool going on me, so then he's allowed to wear. Uh, he, he means that he's not going to wear wool. Um, if he has, uh, if he wants to carry wool shearings, it's perfectly fine. He can wear carry them on his back. If he says, "I'm not going to have flax on me," uh, he can wear it. Uh, no, he can't. He can uh, hold uh, flax. It means wearing. Okay. So assumption is according to the Dalakama, we naturally assume when you mean when you mention the species of clothing, you mean the actual clothing. Okay, and you don't mean carrying. Sheets of that stuff, okay, and that's not what's prohibited. A review says it all depends on the context of the person making the vow. If he's carrying this heavy load of flax and it smells really bad, and he says konim whatever it is, a load of flax or wool, and it smells bad and it's heavy and everything, so then he means only carrying, and it doesn't mean wearing. So um, that's the context. So the price of brought down. Um, that sack, uh, sackcloth, uh, sheets, etc., are all permitted. When you say not 
to wear exos, but what is forbidden is all the general garments that people wear. Um, one's a, like a, a belt, Punda is a belt, I think. A Piskaya is, uh, let's see if I, it's a, a, another type of belt. Whatever, okay. Um, a Sakurtaya, the Gemara will explain what that is. Uh, it's like a type of apron. Katablaya, um, some type of, uh, it, go, it goes over it, over the Sakurtaya, over the first one. And um, Pilya, we already saw in other places, it's like a sock. Hose, the Rashi says the word hose. Okay, some type of uh, footwear. Um, and uh, that, okay, so what's a skurta? So the Gemara says it's a type of shirt, like a leather shirt that, uh, again, protects you from something, kind of like an apron or something. Anyway, um, next we saw is uh, the, we saw in the Brisa that when it comes to carrying, you're allowed to take any any material and wrap yourself, and it's not called carrying on Shabbos, um, if it wraps over you. So even if it's quite thick, um, even sheets and everything, you can cover yourself from the rain, and it's not called carrying. But you cannot go out with a box over your head. That would be carrying on Shabbos, a box or uh, the like, or mat. All those would be forbidden to carry in the rain. Um, shepherds would go out in sackcloth, um, and it's not only shepherds, but that's the normal case, that they would go out, they're there, they have to sit out in all kinds of weather, they can't, you know, so therefore they need to, you know, that's what, how they protected themselves, so it's considered garment wear in that sense. Okay, now, um, Rav said in the mission that it all depends on the one who's making the vow and the circumstances that brought about that vow. So we gave an example of this, so that um, if he's wearing wool and it's uncomfortable, it's itchy, and he says, well, I'm never wearing wool, so then he means clothing, and he's not talking about carrying wool. If he's uh, carrying a load of flax and he uh, starts sweating and he says, no pishtam on me ever again, I'm done with that. It he he doesn't mean not wearing a linen suit. It means uh, carrying. So it's all... All is contextual. Anyway, that's where we left off. And stop our view.